What's up, guys, and welcome to the We Believe Golden State Warriors Basketball Podcast, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Sam Orlick. Hey, listeners, please take a moment to follow the at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on Earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Follow now. What's up, guys? Today is Friday, February 18th. It is officially the All-Star Weekend. That means, unfortunately, no NBA regular season games until next week. Uh, We got a really great show today. Special guest Steven Vidovich from the Sports Ethos team here to talk about the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Highly recommend that you check out his content for all of you guys that play uh, fantasy basketball. Thanks for stopping by and let's get right into it. Hey, Steven. Hey, Sam. How you doing? I'm doing pretty great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Nice. Welcome to the show. Thanks for taking some time to talk Golden State Warriors. Yeah, we're just jumping straight into it. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, man. Um, First of all, I'm kind of bummed not going to be able to watch the Warriors play for a week. Um, They've got some participants in the all-star weekend but hey what's your take on the all-star weekend real quick before we get into all that are you a big fan do you like just certain events you watch the whole thing indifferent um you know i guess growing up as a warrior fan uh with steph curry and clay thompson the event i always enjoyed was the three-point contest of course um, in recent memory uh this year i'm most looking forward to JTA in the dunk contest um, only because he's a warrior and obviously we're very biased and not only is he a warrior, but he's from Oakland. So uh, he has the whole Bay's heart uh, behind him. But as far as like the whole spectacle of the thing, I don't think I've watched an all-star game in the last three years. Uh, I see the highlights, but I'm not really interested in the product even though it has gotten better in recent years um and i do like the way that they spice things up with the all-star draft that was pretty awesome uh on the trade deadline but yeah i'm not as into it as i am like like the game last night that was i would take that a hundred times under over a hundred times out of a hundred even though the warriors lost over an all-star uh, game. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm with you there. I've never been a big fan of like the actual all-star game itself. The three-point competition's fun to watch. Sometimes even the skills, the skills challenge is, is pretty cool. Um, you know, it just, and I know they kind of changed it recently. So the winner of East versus West determines like see, um, the home and away for the finals. But they're just, you know, it just doesn't really seem like it's actually a quality product. Um, it's just end up ends up being like street ball, <laughs> kind of. And yeah, I, I'd much rather get more more NBA games or as Adam, Adam Silver's kind of proposed to talked about like some kind of tournament that counts for something during the season. Um, but yeah, I've never really been a big proponent of the actual 
all-star game. Um, you know, I, there's obviously a lot of people that do enjoy it or else they'd stop doing it. But yeah, I think it's a little bit outdated and, you know, they've been making minor adjustments, but I think they need to kind of re really rethink that. Cause I do think that there's a good amount of people that just kind of shrug at this time of the season and it's like, all right, yeah, it's just a week off. Let's, let's uh, go do something else and then get ready to watch more basketball for um, when everyone comes back. But yeah, really exciting. Um, like you mentioned, well, no Steph Curry in the three-point contest or Clay Thompson, but JTA in the dunk contest, and then Jonathan Kaminga named to rising stars to replace Chris Duarte. So that's definitely deserved for Kaminga. He definitely was snubbed, I felt like, um, not being named a rising star the first time around. I mean, definitely not playing a ton of minutes compared to other rookies, but just for the impact he's having and for the record the Warriors have had. And even without, even if you take away maybe his last handful of games where he's kind of like broken out and like scoring in double figures pretty consistently, just the highlight real plays that he had, even going back to his debut for the Warriors, um, you know, I think, I think should have gotten him more attention than he did, but glad to see that he's being recognized now. Yeah, the NBA is very fortunate to have him in that game. That's for sure. Yeah, interesting. Um, JTA, out of out of the three Warriors who could have potentially, or even four, I guess, who could have been in the dunk contest, if you say like Gary Payton, the second, Jonathan Kaminga, JTA, and maybe even Andrew Wiggins. It's interesting that um, Toscano got it. But I do think that poster on JaVale McGee earlier in the season just really took the league by force. Absolutely. And I think they struggled to get um, guys to participate in that competition nowadays. That's a good point. So, yeah, it's going to be a nice little week off break um, without a lot of serious hoops to watch and kind of Warriors definitely need it, man. Um, not looking so hot in their last eight games, four and four. Struggling even more if you look at like the last five. Um, definitely a tough loss to Denver, tough, tough loss to the Clippers, to New York. Um, you know, hopefully reinforcements just around the corner. We'll see. We just continue to get these um, non-update updates from the Warriors. So James Wiseman is cleared for five on five scrimmages, but he doesn't have a return date and he is apparently getting very close, but would probably start playing in Santa Cruz first when he's ready. Uh, and then Draymond Green is making good progress and it's anticipated that he'll return to play at some point after the All-Star break. <laughs> so <laughs> very vague updates from the Warriors who have kind of turned into this one of the more cryptic franchises when it comes to providing injury updates um, throughout the season, you know, and for good reason, you're basically giving out free information and, you know, they're very competitive. And, and so it makes sense and they're allowed to do that. But as those covering the team and for the fans, and if you're, you know, playing in fantasy and you're trying to figure out making decisions, it's just, it's really hard because they really don't, give you much of anything until actually the very day that said player is going to return. 
Yeah, on on Wiseman and Green, like let's let, uh, I do a lot of the fantasy basketball writing side for Sports Ethos, and uh, so you get a lot of questions about specifically Draymond Green of late because of the back issue, and it's just too hard to be able to forecast when he'd return. Um, I think a best case scenario would be like the second. This is all speculation. Uh, no news has indicated this, but I would say like the second week of March would be like absolute best case scenario for Draymond returning just because uh, a disc issue in your back is just, it, it raises a lot of red flags. Um, I think he said that he would like try and return early March. I thought he said on TNT quite a while back. Um, but my guess would be like middle of March at the best case scenario. And as a warrior fan, I'm just hoping that he returns with two weeks to go in the regular season, at least so that he can get some reps in, um, with the, with the main guys. Cause we haven't really seen them play together. Uh, and as far as Wiseman goes, I'm not really expecting much as a warriors fan this season uh, maybe some fouls off the bench a big body to throw in there but i really think the warriors need to look into the buyout market for a big man uh bielitsa um was just not getting it done he just is not the right guy uh for the job a hundred percent of his minutes have come at the center position this season and it just it, it's not working uh nikola Jokic is fellow countrymen was playing volleyball last night at the rim and <laughs> it was disappointing to watch and it's not he's a good player he has strengths it's just we need a big body that can grab rebounds and defend at the rim and i just don't think that he's at that point unfortunately um so I, I don't know what your thoughts are there, but I'm thinking the buyout market is a great way to try and get somebody in in the short term um, to try and get through to when Draymond gets back. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the buyout market? Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but I don't think that the Warriors are going to end up doing anything via the buyout market. There was um, a post that I read that was basically kind of suggesting that if they were thinking ahead to wanting to do something in the buyout via buyout, they would have likely made a deal at the trade deadline to open up a roster spot that would have saved them like 12 to 15 million in cap space. So yeah, I mean, Bielitsa in particular has been struggling, but he does he does present a very unique skill set. Like we saw that um, three quarters court baseball pass to Clay Thompson towards the end of the game. That was, that was right on the money. And, um, but defensively, yeah, Bielitz is not getting it done at the five, but I think the Warriors issues go beyond go getting a big man because of the way that Mike Brown and Steve Kerr have really implemented their defensive schemes. I think anybody that you bring in, there's going to be quite an adjustment period for everyone else in the Warriors and also for whoever, whoever they go get. And so I don't know, I don't know if you had some 
thoughts on some names on who might be able to come in and make an impact at day one. But, and I kind of agree that I'm tempering my expectations from Wiseman, but you have to hope or think that in all this time that Wiseman's been slowly ramping up and then, and then kind of hitting the reset button and having to go through it again, like three or four times, it seems like he's been making progress to reach this five on five full contact and then having to start over um, is that he's been getting time in the film room, time with the coaches, time around the team, because one of the, you know, one of the biggest things he struggled with last year was just IQ on the court and being able to understand the game. And so my hope is that all of this time off has allowed him to make some significant strides in that sense. And maybe that's asking too much for a guy who's still incredibly young and isn't actually getting time on the floor. Like, sure, it's one thing to watch film and, and watch the team from the sidelines, but it's another to actually be out there and do it um, in a game at, at game speed. But um, I just don't think, I think that the issues that the Warriors have go beyond going out and getting a big. It comes down to just like mental mistakes that we're seeing Steph Curry make. I mean, it's like four or five losses now, I feel like that have kind of been on to some extent on Curry where the guy he's guarding at the end of the game hits a three and we've lost. Um, there was the shoot. I'm trying to remember what some of the other games were, but it's definitely come up a few times. And so I don't know if you get like a Deandre Jordan or Robin Lopez type guy. Sure. You got a big in there who can, um, who can body guys, but I don't think that necessarily makes a significant difference because Mike Brown's built up his defensive schemes, knowing that we don't have rim protection and the warriors on the season are still top tier as far as defensive rebounding. Um, so I think it's, it's other parts of their game that have really struggled. And a lot of it comes down to not having Draymond green available and I'm with you. I don't want to rush Draymond back because if we don't have green healthy and rolling by playoff time, I mean, I don't think this team has the ability to make it to the finals. You know, I think they could get out of the first or second round without Draymond potentially. If, if you have Steph and clay and Poole and Wiggins all locked in and dialed in and you got Iguodala playing a big role and Otto Porter jr. Uh, but this team's at their best when they're playing small. And I think despite Bielitsa's deficiencies at this time, there's definitely a scenario where you throw him in there for eight to 10 minutes, not as the de facto backup big. And he does have success being a pick and pop three point shooter, being a guy who can grab a rebound and facilitate and handle and transition and make the, make the right pass to the open man. And so I think the Warriors value that for sure. It's just, what they're asking him to do now or what they need him to do now as far as help back up Looney and, and play big defensively is not something that he's ever been good at in his career at all. Yeah. You, you, you make a lot of fair points. I mean, as far as a buyout guy, I had my eyes on the sky and I was desperately hoping that Thaddeus young wouldn't get traded and he'd get bought out. Yeah. Um, but that didn't happen. So the list, you know, got a lot worse. Uh, I know that guys that have gotten bought out that are available include like big guys. Tristan Thompson is bought out, but I don't really think that he would 
Um, you know, these guys just don't, you're right. They don't make a big impact. A guy like Thaddeus Young, I think could have came in and made an impact, but uh, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, it didn't happen. It's not going to happen. Um, you have Drew Eubanks out there. Um, and I think there was one more guy that I thought of. Maybe you mentioned, yeah, DeAndre Jordan, but he's not going to do anything for us. Uh, Robin Lopez, for some reason, I've had a little dream of him coming to the Warriors for a couple years now. Um, <laughs> and I know that he he wouldn't be the best fit. But just watching Nikola Jokic play volleyball at the rim last night, it, it was it was frustrating. And I think that if you just got a, um, you know, even a, like a Sasa Pachulia type player to just go in there, rack up some fouls, um, grab rebounds, and defend at the rim, I think it would make an impact. They wouldn't play a lot, but I think that what – Bielitsa is giving you is just not what the Warriors need, in my opinion. But I'm not a general manager, and Bob Myers has done a fantastic job uh, dating back to when they got Jared Jack and Carl Landry. Um, that was one of my favorite moves that they made before this uh, historic run they've been on. Um, so I'm not going to question the moves that they do make. Um, or the moves that they don't make. Uh, I just, I'm not, I'm a little bit down on, on Nemanja. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Um, I mean, right now, looking at the last eight games, the Warriors are ranked 20th in defensive rating and um, 14th in offensive rating. And so, and yeah, it's, it's very frustrating in this stretch of games as we've played like Hassan Whiteside, Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randall, Nikola Jokic, Zubats even ate us up. And just like this recent stretch of five games where these teams have a big body who's got like width and size, like it's not just like some tall, lanky Miles Turner esque type of guy but a guy with a lot of bulk who knows how to use his bulk and that's been giving us a lot of problems but I do think that you just slide in a Robin Lopez and sure you have a big body to throw some to to throw some fouls out there on him and maybe he gets a block or two or or helps alleviate to some degree but I don't think that drastically changes the defensive rating of the group because a lot of the defensive schemes that they're running are like zone or switching. And I'm just not sure how any of those guys would fare in that kind of system. So then are you kind of rewriting the defense to accommodate these new guys? And then keeping in mind that it's really like a short-term rental because they're probably not going to play significant minutes once you get Draymond and Wiseman back. Cause ideally you want all those backup minutes going to Wiseman so he can start getting ready um to potentially have some kind of role or impact in the playoffs if he's if he's able to and then you know Draymond Green's obviously going to be the closer at the five and in, in any type of um of uh competitive contest so yeah it's it's hard to watch for sure Jokic just do work and get low post position and just nothing that Looney can do to really stop him Gary Payton sure had a really nice dunk or sorry, uh, a really nice block against Jokic though, for sure. That was, um, that was just incredible watching him get up and, uh, 
and swat that. Oh yeah, no, that was a really nice uh, block uh, added to the list on the season because that guy has highlight after highlight. Um, one one other area that might uh, help the Warriors post All Star break improve upon their uh, their dip in defensive rating recently is uh Otto Porter Jr. Uh maybe he's still dealing with some some lingering like back issues. I know that he was out for a few games because of back tightness and I think there might have even been another injury um that he missed some time with. And Andre Iguodala, uh if he uses the break by getting a little healthy, maybe just getting those two guys uh back in 100% shape would help uh, solve some of the defensive issues that the team is having. And those guys have uh, some size. The Warriors are still going to be in, incredibly small without Draymond. Um, and even with Draymond, they're small, but Draymond gives them an element on defense that you just don't get uh, from any other player uh, on the team or maybe even around the league. Uh, so perhaps the solution just comes from two guys, two role guys, getting healthy with the a week off this all-star break. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. I think Otto and Otto Porter and Iggy, I mean, there's a reason why they signed for veteran minimums. They're both at kind of the tail ends of their career. Well, Iguodala for sure. Otto Porter, I think he's still just 31, but um, dealing with major injuries that they've both come off of and kind of knowing coming into the season that they're going to be load managed. And I think that Steve Kerr kind of, juiced them a little hard earlier in the season because we needed to and we were winning games because of it and now he's kind of had to give them a chance to recover and not quite run them as much and yeah Iguodala for sure would be a great addition to this team because I think a lot of the mishaps that we're seeing in this four and four run in the last eight games is just execution I mean even in this talking about the game in last night against Denver you know there are several things down the stretch that could have gone otherwise that would have resulted in a win. I mean, if Andrew Wiggins gets that defensive re- or that gets that offensive rebound instead of Monty Morris, if Curry actually sticks with his man and lets Jokic take the jumper to send the game into overtime instead of um, the three-pointer for the win. Um, there's just like winning plays that Iguodala makes typically towards the end of games. And I think we've been really missing him in those types of situations. And also just, I think the play of Curry and Thompson's been a little bit up and down. Um, you know, Clay Thompson went gangbusters against the Lakers and we pulled out a win that we had no business winning. I mean, it looked like the Lakers were going to stomp us um late in that game until until thompson caught fire and curry's been playing well but it's a little bit up and down he's not quite he he hasn't really quite regained his stroke like we've known him before where he can just get a bucket at whatever time he wants especially from three-point range uh jordan pool another guy who's kind of still adjusting to his role as six man um scoring in double figures pretty consistently but not quite getting to the foul line as easily as we saw um a couple weeks ago or earlier in the season but I do really like what Jonathan Kaminga has been doing coming off the bench or in the starting lineup he's shown I mean I think if we didn't have Kaminga I think we'd be getting blown out honestly and instead of these games that we're losing 
um, that are coming down to the wire, I think that these would be like 10, 15 point deficits that we'd be looking at towards the end of game. So uh, I do think that this week off is going to do wonders for these guys. They really need to kind of regroup here and, and figure out what they need to do. But um, I mean, against Denver, that first half looked pretty good. We let them get back into it towards towards halftime, which wasn't great. But they had a game plan, which was, you know, Jokic can go off, but nobody else along with him. And um, a couple times people left Brent Forbes to go double Jokic and that made us pay. Um, so I think it's just like awareness and, and execution has just kind of been lacking a little bit. And we, I mean, these, this team has a lot of really smart veterans. And so the guys know the right plays, you know, after, after the game, they all know the mistakes that were made, but there's just a switch needs to flip here that um, you got to play hard for 48 minutes and you got to execute if you want to win games against good opponents and um, we're we're seeing that for most of the game or part of the game um, but not the full 48 minutes because it's not even like we're coughing up 20 turnovers it's not you know you look at the game in Denver and and Curry had some costly turnovers in the second half but I think we're under 10 turnovers for the game um, which is good for the war you know you'd be like oh man less than 10 turnovers we're doing great um, and so it hasn't been, yeah, in the last eight, we're averaging 12.8 turnovers, which is three or four less than our season average. So it hasn't been like those types of mistakes, like not taking care of the ball. It's just been executing defensively and, um, guys getting beat. And so, yeah, I just, I just think that they need some time off. They don't look right. Um. I don't know. Did you, the, there's a little bit of controversy I've been reading on Twitter. A lot of people felt like Gary Payton should have been in there for that closing possession um, over Steph Curry. What do you think about that? I don't think you take Steph Curry out of a final possession of a game. Um, Two-time MVP, uh, unless he asks, he tells Kerr that he wants to come out, you don't take Curry out of the game. Uh, that's my personal opinion. Uh, I can understand the argument for it, but I think there's something more than just X's and O's on that kind of a decision. Uh, on Gary Payton II, I was listening to some local sports talk radio this weekend, mm-hmm. um, and these two guys, I forgot their names, but they were discussing the Warriors, and they mentioned that they felt that it would be more important for the Warriors to keep Gary Payton the second this off season over Jordan Poole. Well, what I'll are your, there. <laughs> yeah. What are your, I, I mean, do you, uh, I'll ask you the same question that you asked me. Do you think that they should have put Payton in instead of Curry? No, uh, okay. no, I think that, I think that, the Warriors have been trying to go out and win every game because we are trying to win games. Unlike last season, (laughs) famous Steve Kerr quote. Um, But I do think that Steve Kerr is more interested in getting these guys ready for a deep postseason run and whether they finish in second, third, fourth, as long as they're outside of the play-in tournament, 
Um, I think it's more important to get the guys reps. I think that's why we saw Clay Thompson get that last shot of the game for the potential game winner. Uh, what was it against New York? The Knicks. The Knicks. Yeah. Oh, and, and he had that shot. And he that, did, I, but, but you well, want, you know, you want those guys to get back into form and get the shots that they're going to take. And you're seeing Clay take these like such difficult step back, sh- like twos, um, even like throughout the game. And I think they're just really like, get ready for the playoffs, do whatever you need to do to get your reps in, take the highly contested shots. Cause when you have like a Chris Middleton or a drew holiday draped all over you, that's the only shot you're going to be able to get off at the end of the game. And so I do think that part of the growing pains with reincorporating Thompson back into the lineup and everyone kind of figuring out their roles is that a little bit of mentality of make the play that you're probably going to be making in the postseason and not necessarily like just take the best shot possible or get get the easiest shot available um so but back to your original question yeah I, I'm with you. Curry should be the, should be in there at the end. He has come up with some really big defensive possessions this season. Um, he did seem like at the start of the season, he'd really kind of flipped the switch with his defensive game. And I think we're just seeing him um, go through a, a little bit of a stretch where mentally he's exhausted from chasing the three-point record. Um, the way that teams are defending him now, not having Draymond. I think not having Draymond is just so understated. Um, I was going back and taking a look, and I don't think there's been a season in Draymond's career where he's missed this many regular season games. Um, and, and so really this is something new for the Warriors to figure out how to run offense because Curry's just been so used to having Draymond there to orchestrate everything, and you don't see as much of the – um, pass relocate going on uh, as before. And and so I just think that there's so much missing not having Draymond in there. And obviously, you know, it's probably going to continue that way for another three to four weeks as we're kind of speculating. Um, so, yeah, I think Curry's going through something, but maybe I the HBO think... show isn't helping him. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, is that the one about the, the couples show that him and Aisha are on? Yeah. 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 Um, it's not on my DVR. <laughs> yeah. Me neither. <laughs> um, but you know, for all, all it, ta- all it could take is a week off and, and we get back and he hits the ground running to just put all the, all the doubters aside. But, um, uh, back to your other question, Jordan Pooler, Gary Payton, the second, I mean, I think pretty sure we had both of their bird rights. So I'd like to see them keep both of them because Peyton's not a backup point guard. Um, Peyton's like a small, a small five who can guard one through five. So he doesn't play like a backup point guard. And Jordan Poole's the only backup point guard on this roster. Uh, Iguodala can fill in at that. You know, Draymond Green plays kind of the point forward role, but Jordan Poole's been one of the most improved players for the Warriors this season, maybe even in the league. He's had his ups and downs, but I think if we saw Poole in the starting lineup for the whole season, if, if Clay Thompson never came back, I think he'd be easily in the sixth man of the or, uh, most improved conversation for sure. So I really like what Poole's been doing. Um, I think the next step for him will be defensively um, 
taking it up another level, but what he does on offense is so important for this team, the way he's able to generate looks to get downhill to attack the rim. He's such a good free throw shooter, the herky jerky, you know, he likes to do, likes to dance with the ball in his hands. And so that's hard. I I don't think I can pick one or the other. I think you got to get both. Yeah, they, I was just so surprised. I was so surprised how dismissive they were of of Jordan Poole. I remember them saying that they could find his skill set in free agency uh, very easily, and I was pretty shocked to hear um, these Warrior guys talking like that. So yeah, that's pretty blasphemous. He's like a Steph Curry light almost with the way that he pulls up, like from thirty feet out, and when he's when he's feeling it, he'll just start railing threes, and he's such a good free throw shooter. He's got the floater game and he's just in his third year, <laughs> you know, like we don't even know what this kid's ceiling is. Yeah. He's, he's still 20... young. This is the future yeah. of the warriors. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I, I, I was, I was a little upset hearing that I, I've been a Jordan pool guy actually um, for a long time, which the first couple of years, it what didn't look that good, but I just kept on hearing how hard of a worker he was, how he's right. the guy was in the gym all of the time just constantly working and improving and it came through last season after the all-star break and you just you, you can't find that off uh, on the free agency in the off season you're not going to be able to find that kind of production so yeah not at uh, not at his the way that he's a uh, three level scorer you know from three attacking the rim and from the foul line in the mid-range so he he literally has all the tools offensively and he's still learning and growing into his game. Um, and he's definitely not somebody that you want to play against. He, he's kind of like a Jordan Clarkson in the sense of like, when he gets hot, there's not really much you can do to stop him. But I do think he has the body where he could grow as a defender. I, yeah, I think and he's, too. Totally yeah, he's right. got size for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see uh, his, his growth um, over the next few years. And if he, wasn't a warrior next season it would make me very sad yeah i'd be surprised if he wasn't with the way that um lakeb and the warriors have kind of committed to this win now mentality as well as play for the future and wanting to retain moody and kaminga and wiseman and not really biting for any type of of blockbuster trade to bring in another star which i am in support of um so, yeah, I think pool, pool is a big part of that. I mean, Nico Mannion wasn't, you know, it was okay, but didn't really fit in. And, and where do you go then from, from a point guard position in, in a league today that's really uh, driven by guard play? Uh, you need elite guards. And so I don't know where you're going to go get that if you're not going to go overpay some guy who's got some caveat with his game. Yeah, I, I'm t- in total agreement with you there. I'm um, I'm very uh, high on Jordan Poole's ceiling in the league. Uh, what 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 are your thoughts on on Moses Moody? Another guy that I think is a is a is a gym rat. He loves working on his game. Uh, he plays fantastically anytime he goes down to Santa Cruz. Um, he's you know struggled in his first year in the league. Um, but what do you think about his his future with the team or his future in the league? Yeah, I see a lot of comparisons to Jason Richardson in the sense that he's explosive at the rim. He's a great rebounder. 
He's got the three point stroke. Um, I've been really encouraged. I think, you know, he's buried in this depth chart behind all of the guards and wings on this team. And so he's not getting consistent opportunity. And when Steve Kerr has decided to throw him out there, he's been a little tentative at times, but he did have that stretch of games, uh, two or three games where he was like in the starting lineup. And after he came off like that 37 points with the Santa Cruz uh, C-dubs and he, he looks really good. So I think he's got a really bright future for the Warriors as well. I think he's got a chance to be a great rotational piece moving forward. You know, maybe next year he takes over the spot of like Damian Lee and that, and that like 20 minute kind of combo guard role off the bench. Um, but once he figures out kind of defensive um assignments and and his lateral movements and and really locks in on his three-point shot i mean i just love the way that he rebounds he just always seems to be in the right place to have a chance to fight for a rebound and we saw in san antonio that was the difference between winning and losing he got us an extra possession Um, and i think he won some won some uh coin on that oh yeah Yeah, (laughs) i did actually (laughs) i had um made a bet that morning before I saw that everyone was going to be benched. And I was like, Oh man, that, that was not a good bet. And then I was very happy. about That's that. awesome. Uh, That's unfortunately, awesome. I think the, the odds were locked in when I made the bet. So I didn't even get oh. the benefit of um, all the warriors missing all those guys, but nonetheless, um, yeah. You know, you wonder if, if that had been Moody instead of Wiggins with just his, uh, ability to chase down the ball if that might have gone a little bit differently not that I'm blaming Andrew Wiggins but that's how much that's what I really see you know as being Mo- Moses Moody's strengths is being able to go go get the ball yeah I, I can see that there um, here's a here's a question since they played the Nuggets last night um, uh, they lost to the Clippers recently who probably aren't going to be as competitive, but man, they've been such a great team. Tyler is doing such a good job there. Um, but who do you think is the, the, the toughest competition for the Warriors uh, in the playoffs? Who are you, who would you least like to see as their opponent? Hmm, good question. Um, probably Milwaukee. Yeah, how would they guard Giannis? Right. Milwaukee, how does anyone then, guard Giannis? And then I think I think Phoenix too, but um, you know, I saw Chris Paul just kind of sprained his thumb that he's gonna get an MRI on, so we don't really know how that's gonna play out or what the update is there. I think DeAndre Ayton's obviously a handful to deal with, but still somebody needs to feed Ayton the ball. Just the fact that Giannis is just a one man wrecking crew and then Milwaukee just is a very well coached team with all these shooters around him and um they have that kind of core group that's that's really been together and been to finals so um yeah i think i think that's really one of the going to be one of the main challenges um you know i think it remains to be seen what what philadelphia looks like with james harden i think that they sacrificed a lot of their depth so i don't know how successful that team's going to be actually if you just have them beaten harden and, and not a lot of help around them um and then you know brooklyn i guess we'll see when kevin durant comes back but i'm not as worried about them yet i haven't really seen them all come together so yeah those would be my two 
my two opponents that I think will give the Warriors the, the hardest time. What about you? I totally agree with you. Phoenix and Milwaukee um, are definitely up there. Uh, I actually think the Nuggets are a difficult team for the Warriors. Um, and that also comes with the idea that I believe Jamal Murray will be back for the postseason. Um, it's all speculation. It's not reported, but uh, I just have a feeling. I think he tore his ACL. He tore it against the Warriors, and I think it happened in April of last year uh, off the top of my head. Uh, but I could see him returning. I think that the Nuggets are a team um, to not get ahead of uh, ourselves as Warrior fans uh, because they have Nikola Jokic and he was the best player on the floor last night and he's the best player on the floor most nights. So they're a, a dark horse team that I'm a little bit afraid of facing. Yeah, for sure. I think um, Denver with Jamal Murray is definitely another look uh, different look than the team that we played last night. Um, I think if you, and you do make a good point, you know, Jokic was the best player on the floor for sure. Um, I do think though that the Warriors get the type of performance that you'd expect from Stephen Clay and maybe even Andrew Wiggins, who only had nine points on four of 12 shooting and Curry. I mean, 10 of 19, but only one of seven from three. Thompson, five of 15, three of 10 from three. So Steph and Clay were four of 17 from three. It's going to be hard to win games when you're starting backcourt shoots like that. Um, Wiggins was one of five. So I do think that with team, with some of those other West Coast teams like or, or uh, Western Conference teams like the Utah Jazz, the Denver Nuggets, um, I don't know who else you want to throw out there. Maybe the Memphis Grizzlies. I think that we can beat them with better offense if our guys are locked in. Uh, but I do think that to beat Phoenix and Milwaukee in particular, you really need Draymond and you really need to play your, your A game on both sides of the floor to have a shot because those teams are just incredibly disciplined and um, have really good execution. I mean, man, Chris Paul... I, I was such a Chris Paul hater and, and when he was in, for the Clippers and for Houston, but since he's come over to Phoenix, I've come to terms with it a little bit more <laughs> and have grown a lot more respect for him as a player and what he's done and the way he's been able to prolong his career and still be effective and, and kind of play the game that he's able to play, which is still uh, a highly effective game. So um you know, hopefully I'm not offending too many Warriors fans because all of those Warriors Clippers rivalries for all those years. And, and you know, I, I ha did not like Chris Paul one bit, but I can definitely respect what he's doing for the Suns right now. And, and he really knows how to lead a team and control a game for sure. Yeah. You know, if you're as hated as Chris Paul is by the Warrior fan base, it has to mean you're doing something right. <laughs> true. Very true. Just like Kobe, you know, growing up and watching Kobe destroy you know, our hopes and dreams every single time we played them, it was like our championship back in the early O's because they were not very good. And uh, Kobe would just beat us every time. I hated Kobe Bryant, but to be hated that much, it means you're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. Just something, another point that I wanted to throw out here is like, you know, 
despite these struggles for the Warriors in their last eight games or so, and, and even going back to kind of the turn of the new year, they're still second in the West without Draymond Green having missed like 20 games and still more games to miss and without uh, without Andre Iguodala, with Otto Porter being banged up, Bielitsa needs to stretch the games. And so, you know, I think, I think that the East is a little bit stronger than the West this year, which has helped the Warriors for sure. Um, but I think it also just speaks to like where this team's at and where the left, where the rest of the competition is at in the West. And, and they're doing just fine for, for not playing some of their best ball. Like they played so well to start the year and got a really nice cushion to then kind of give themselves some room to go through some ups and downs. And I think that they kind of anticipated it wasn't going to be smooth sailing. Once we got clay back, it was going to be a little bumpy and, and readjustment and guys figuring their roles out. Um, I mean, Andrew Wiggins, all-star Wiggins has been struggling lately to kind of find consistency on the offensive end, something that he's been, hasn't really had an issue with for most of the season. Um, and same, we already mentioned Jordan Poole too. So, I mean, you know, when those guys are combining for 30 to 35 points a game, it makes it a lot easier to um, overlook like Curry and Thompson miss threes or overlook not having size to defend Nikola Jokic or Hassan Whiteside or, or um, Zubats at the rim. But when those guys aren't able to knock down shots and Steph and Clay aren't scoring and you don't have the defense, it's just too many things uh, missing and off. Um, and then you still give yourself a chance to win at the end of the game and you just can't execute. So, you know, we're, you know, we get on these, on these shows to kind of break things down and, and put everything under a microscope. But at the end of the day, I think the Warriors are in a great place um, right now in the standings. They've got some time off to kind of refocus and retool and get things right. You got about 20 to 25 games left here to really close it out. Hopefully get Wiseman and Green back in the next month or so and give them a chance to get acclimated and then make a really deep postseason run. And, you know, if they come up short, and don't end up winning the championship, I'm okay with that. You know, I'm not going to look back and say, man, they should have traded for Bradley Beal or they should have traded Wiseman for Miles Turner. You know, I think at the end of the season or coming into the off season, maybe they do decide to make some adjustments at that point, but I do think that they need to, or they've decided that they're really committed to this group and they're just going to play it out and see what they have. And you know, I'm, I'm not worried about wasting Steph Curry's prime. I think that he's going to play late into his 30s, if not longer, um, as we're seeing other guys do of his caliber and still be effective. And so I think it would be short-sighted to trade away Wiseman for, for another piece and not kind of give him a chance. And he looked really bad last year, but I think that um, you know, something I talked about in the show earlier is, is the coaching change that they brought in. Um, uh, Kenny Atkinson and uh, Milovic and some of the other guys who have just kind of given a different perspective for this team. And you're seeing a lot of development from players, which is not something that the Warriors had really been doing in the past outside of the um, kind of rise to stardom for Draymond, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, maybe Harrison Barnes. Um, and things had gotten kind of stale. And so I didn't really think that was fair for Wiseman last season to just get thrown out there for 30 minutes a night. It kind of seemed like 
something that Lacob wanted, more not so much what Kerr wanted. Um, and so I think, you know, I'm trying to keep my expectations reasonable, but I do think that there's a chance that Wiseman actually can come in and be effective in a limited role, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, kind of like a JaVale McGee and not make so many mistakes defensively and not try and do so much offensively because he doesn't have like Kelly Oubre next to him <laughs> um, and just be in a much better position. And if we do get that kind of guy who can actually protect the rim in short in short stints and be like a lob threat, I do think that gives this team a whole nother angle um, and just makes them all that more dangerous um, as they go into this postseason run. I totally agree with everything you said, Sam. I think that this season is, you have to look at it from a very positive perspective. You're right. It's very easy to look at the, at the negatives. Um, but here's a question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot if that's okay. Yeah, um, go for it. So uh, we're at the all-star break. And uh, you said the Warriors are second in the West right now. And, you know, just to, for, the, for the fun of it, uh, if you were to grade the Warriors season from a typical uh, American school A to F, um, what grade would you give the Warriors up through the All-Star break? With everything considered, you know, all the transition with Clay's return, their hot start, um, their struggles with Draymond out of the lineup. Um, what would you give the Warriors if you were gonna if you were gonna grade them? B plus. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. B plus, maybe even A minus. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because they've had to deal with a, a lot I of mean, things. Missing that, I missing like Draymond. I just like you haven't seen this team play without Draymond for this much time. I mean, last season. Um, in that first few weeks that Draymond missed, Curry was awful. Um, and I know this because I was able to trade for him in, uh, in a, one of my fantasy leagues because I knew that he was slumping since Draymond was out. And I found someone who was panicking a little bit through the first two weeks of the season. And I snagged Curry. I think I offered like a Devin Booker, Nikola Vucevic, and LaMarcus Aldrich for Steph Curry Oof. and Dante DiVincenzo. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and so I just think that the fact that these the Warriors are still number two, having missed all these games with Dray from not having Draymond, and um, yeah, they're struggling on defense. And yeah, it's really shown in these last eight games that we're playing against size. And so it's incredibly frustrating to be a Warriors fan and watch these games. And we're spoiled because we had that dynastic run. They gave us a, a taste of what they could be at the start of the season and come out and look like that they're just gonna grab the, the number one seed and run with it. Oh, well, who cares whether they're first or second or third? I mean, this team has deep postseason experience and whether they have one more game on the road or at home, isn't going to determine a series, in my opinion. These guys are veteran enough and have been through enough together that um, it's more just about health and availability once it comes time for the postseason. And so, yeah, we're, we're dropping a few games here. It's definitely not fun to watch. And um, it hurts a little bit when you lose at the buzzer like that, especially with the mental mistakes at the end. But not enough for me to feel like that they need to shake it up or point fingers at Steve Kerr or Steph Curry or the rotation or all of this stuff. And, you know, I try and do my best to not get too 
attached to what I read on Twitter, but sometimes it just really grinds my gears what what people are saying and, and how they feel like the Warriors, what they should be doing and, and all this. But um, yeah, I think B plus A minus for sure. We've been well above expectations. Yeah, I loved getting a 3.2 in school. I'd be very happy. I'm happy with the Warriors. Um, and I, I, I'd love to come on the pod uh, towards the end of the season and see, see where, where Sam's grade for the Warriors falls then. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd love to have you on some more. This has been a lot of fun. Um, kind of an interesting point. I think it's always more interesting to talk when things aren't going well than when things are going well. So um, it might not might not be as fun for everyone when the Warriors are losing, but for us who have to kind of break things down and analyze things, there's definitely way more to talk about and look into and kind of dissect that's a little bit more controversial um, than when it's all, all fun and dandy and, and winning streaks and everyone's playing well and there's no issues and you know, this is the time to be going through struggles, you know, come, come April, if we're playing like this, that's going to be a totally different story. If we're dropping games like this and, and our defense looks bad and we have these mental lapses, I mean, that's going to be a totally different thing. If we've got hey, Draymond if Draymond's back injury gets, if it doesn't get better this season, then, you know, that's all she wrote. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, you know, like I said, maybe they can get through the first two rounds just off of the play of all the stars and, and the offense, but eventually you're going to need a defensive stopper. And as you mentioned before, you know, Bielitsa and Kevon Looney, as much as I love Kevon Looney and how amazing he's been in this season, playing in every single game, definitely his best season of his career for Looney. Um, love that kid, but Looney is your starting center and Bielitsa is your backup big and Kaminga getting some spot minutes as a small five is not going to cut it in uh, a deep postseason run. Yep. And it's nothing against those guys. That's, that's nope. just the way it is. It's just the reality. Yeah. Yep. You're going to need Steph to score like 50 a game. Steph and, Cl- <laughs> Steph and Clay are going to need to go for a hundred. <laughs> yeah. Like that little stretch he had last year when he hit like 53 pointers in like six games or something ridiculous. Yeah, and that's a that's also another another point. Um, you know, Steph's Steph's game's a little bit different this season. He's not taking it upon himself to put up 40 every night. He's he is impacting the game in different ways. He is actually playing more point guard this season, um, probably out of necessity without Draymond. Um, but you know, it just kind of goes to show that that this team is very resilient and having to make a lot of adjustments based on probably their most important player after uh, Steph Curry and Draymond Green. You could even argue that Draymond Green's more important to the Warriors than Curry. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I actually, just for the fun of it, I was talking with my fiance and we tried to rank who are the most impactful Warriors um, so far this season, uh, taking everything into account. And I think uh, we were debating between Steph and Draymond for the top spot. What if you take those two guys out? Who would you say, how would you rank the others? That's where it gets really interesting. Um, I think that the candidates for the third spot would be Looney, Poole, Wiggins, Peyton. Um, 
Clay is not included just because he returned um, from injury and there's been a really big adjustment period for him. So I'm not going to include him in that mix. Um, Looney has a really strong case because of what you just said. He's started every game. And if we lost Looney, then we would really be in trouble right now. Um, So I understand his case for the three spot there. Uh, Jordan Poole, uh, a lot of what he did early on in the season uh, was very important uh, for the Warriors to win games early. Uh, I don't think that he surpasses Looney. Uh, Gary Payton has been absolutely huge for us, but I just think that, and, and Wiggins has been really good. He's actually probably has the strongest case to knock Looney down um, just because of his two-way play. The fact that, you know, Clay's return, he doesn't have to uh, be guarding the, the team's, the opposing team's best offensive player. So maybe you have to give it to Wiggins. I kind of want to give it to Looney though, uh, only because without him, I think the Warriors would be screwed. Yeah, I'm with you there. Between between uh, Wiggins and Looney, for sure. Both. It's kind of like uh, 1A, 1B, right? Because mm-hmm. you really need both of them. Wiggins has been so good and so consistent. Uh, the offense comes and goes, unfortunately, with him a little bit. But um, Looney, man. And the, the growth for Looney on offense, the way in which he's so much more aggressive attacking the rim, um, his ability to get the ball in the low post off of a rebound or just uh, a feed under the rim and the patience. He, he just baits guys and finds ways to score even when there's taller guys in front of him. He doesn't do anything fancy. It's all just timing and footwork. Um, and it's been really fun to watch. I mean, Looney's just been one of those hardworking guys who, who's been in the system for a while now. Um, in this warrior system and everything's just clicking into place with him this year. And he's been battling injuries for so long. It seemed like he was never going to be healthy. And then finally he gets, I don't know if you want to call it like a stroke of luck, but this is the result. I mean, he is a very key piece of this core and foundation for the warriors for sure. Yeah. Without Looney, we'd probably be finding ourselves in the bottom half of the top eight of the West. Cause there's no way we'd be winning games. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I, yeah, so I, I, I guess I would put Looney 3A, Wiggins 3B, but that might just be a little, a little biased on my end <laughs> um, just because of what Looney does on a night-to-night basis. And, you know, playing the NBA post, um, I, I never played basketball at a very high level. I'm not athletically gifted, um, but the way that these guys – play in the post it's it's just incredible the amount of body bumps hits bruises everything they must deal with on a night-to-night basis um and it, it you don't really see it unless you're really looking for it and it's just incredible um the way that big bodied centers uh, play even in today's league I mean back in the day it was even crazier um, but even today that the way that these guys get hit it's it's very impressive that Looney has not missed a game um, yeah 100 percent cool man um 
anything else you got? Any closing thoughts here? Um, no, a great show. Uh, I, I'm very happy to be on. I guess um, if anything, I would just uh, hype up Sports Ethos uh, BK on Twitter uh, to get all of your latest fantasy information um, with the, the fastest and best analysis uh, in the game. Uh, and then if anybody is uh, listening to this podcast and really likes fantasy basketball and wants to be a part of a community, uh, I would highly suggest getting a membership at Sports Ethos. Um, we have a Discord channel that you know has a lot of members. I don't even know off the top of my head, but there's always activity in there. People talking fantasy hoops, people talking reality hoops. Um, not sure if you're in there, Sam, but uh, it's a great community. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think Sports Ethos is at the top of the game when it comes to fantasy basketball. So um, that's just a plug. Um, I love this show. Uh, I'd love to come back on and thanks for having me. Yeah, 100%, man. Definitely going to have you back on and uh, have a nice little break from the fantasy grind and NBA grind for a weekend plus and uh, let's go dubs. Yeah. And go JTA dunk contest. Yes. JTA dunk contest and Jonathan Kaminga rising stars. Yeah, absolutely. Hey listeners quickly, before we sign off, we want to also remind you to use coupon code hoopball20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also to check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. Thanks for tuning in to the We Believe Golden State Warriors Basketball Podcast, the Sports Ethos presentation. Once again, I'm Sam Orlick. You can follow me at Twitter at SDORlick. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show, and we'll catch you for the next one. Cheers, guys.